Hey, warriors, welcome to the Untamed Life podcast, where we are breaking free from those chains of the past and rising to lead extraordinary lives. I believe it's time for us to ditch the rules of this world that are keeping us enslaved in the grind, playing from behind, and instead opt into a conscious and strategic upgrade, one that is founded in spiritual principles that can only be accessed through the power of the heart. So if you are craving deeper, more meaningful relationships, vibrant bodies full of life force, true prosperity in all arenas, and a life of adventure, this podcast is for you. My name is Christine Jewell. I'm a high-performance coach and spiritual mentor, and together we will awaken the king or queen you are destined to be so that you can experience the fullness of life that's waiting for you. Let's dive in. All right. Well, welcome back for another episode of The Untamed Life. Today, I'm really excited about today's episode. I have a special guest on. I have, I'm here with Ronnie Landis. Ronnie is an amazing holistic health and performance coach, transformational leader. He is the author of Addiction-Free Lifestyle, which is an amazing book, The True Path to Inner Peace and Self-Mastery. And we're going to be unpacking a lot of that conversation Ronnie went from being an Olympic hopeful athlete, enduring two knee surgeries, to becoming a professional nutritionist, to then becoming a motivational health speaker, multiple authors, entrepreneur and coach. I know you are super devoted, devoted to the transformational journey, the rebirthing process, Mm -hmm. not only for yourself, but of humanity. So today, Ronnie is standing on the shoulders of giants who have gone before him, before us, after 12 years of being a professional health and transformational leader. And he's entering into the next evolution and cycle of your rebirth. I've been watching and observing, and I think a lot of us are kind of going through these massive Mm -hmm. contractions Mm -hmm. and feeling the, you know, rebirthing the canal and everything like that. So I'm excited to have you on the show. Thank you again for being here. I think it's going to be a really powerful conversation. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to dive in. So, so good. So I want to just kind of dive right into this topic of addiction. Tomorrow, I'm actually Mm -hmm. starting Ronnie's Dopamine Reset Protocol, you guys. And it's I'm doing it because I'm just at a space where I want to be so clear and so clean and Mm -hmm. do that reset and reboot. And I think when people hear that word, even just addict or Mm addiction-free, it's like, oh, I'm not an addict or I am, or people are hiding from that. So let's just start, let's kind of open the conversation around like, What's an addict anyways? What makes one an addict? Mm -hmm. Well, that's, I don't label people addicts. I don't think that's helpful. So let's just get that out of the way. Um, I think that we all have potentially addictive tendencies. um, And that's, there's a lot of reasons why that is. One thing that's helpful to understand is what makes something technically addictive is two things. How much dopamine it produces in the brain and then how easily accessible it is. So that's number one. So the things that we get quote unquote addicted to, that's just one dimension of the conversation. And then the person themselves, the human being themselves is another part of the conversation. And we have to be able to separate those two things because in the addiction world, there's just a lot of convoluted concepts and ideas that really are not helpful and don't support people in their healing and recovery process. Ultimately, um, a lot of what's out there is just kind of yo-yo type of approaches that don't factor in the whole human being Mm -hmm. and cause people to swing 
from addiction to recovery, back to addiction, and then back to recovery and back to addiction, or they're trading out one thing for another, but they never fully heal what's really going on with them. And so the, the external, the external mechanisms, whatever it may be, it may be the substances, the food, the sugar, the alcohol, the cigarettes, the cannabis, the drugs, the substances, the social media, the digital devices, the gambling, the um, pornography, you know, whatever, whatever is out there outside of us that we get habituated to and develop addictive tendencies. Those are really just coping strategies that we're using in order to numb, tranquilize, sedate some part of us that is disconnected. So it's an internal disconnect within the human being itself otherwise known as a lack of integration between the mind, the body, and the heart or the spirit. And that's fundamentally what has to be dealt with. So you have one level of it, which is the the neurobiological side of it, the dopaminergic system of the brain and how it gets gets wired for outside stimulation based on the pleasure and reward systems of the brain. So that's, that's, again, that's, that's one level of it when we're looking at just like the yeah. biology of addiction yeah. and that's important to understand. And then the deeper root of it is the, the psycho spiritual aspect of it, which is, that's when we get into, you know, really, really factoring in the human being and in the trauma that somebody has dealt with or is unresolved within them that they're using these coping strategies as a way to unconsciously numb the inner angst, the tension, the anxiety, the, um, you know, the stress that they're dealing with, and they either don't know how else to deal with it. They don't have a better strategy or they simply are unconscious to it. And, um, you know, that that's a, that's basically what we're dealing with in society. You know, we have multiple industries based on tranquilizing trauma. And you could call it sleep problems, sleep apnea. You know, we have a Xanax for that or anxiety. If you have depression, you have overactivity, restless leg syndrome. I mean, there's a million different things that have been labeled and even many things made up like ADHD, ADD, attention deficit disorder, all that kind of thing. Not to say that those aren't real phenomenon, but they've been turned into an industry to sell you pills or some sort of magic potion that is going to ultimately just help you numb even further um, to get you to forget about the symptoms. And the symptoms are, of course, just um, a downstream effect of sensation that's arising in the body to let you know that there's a deeper issue that needs to be addressed. Yeah. 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 I love it. I love, oh my gosh, you said so many things like that right there. And I love that you started with that. And I asked that first question the way I did on purpose of who is an addict, because Mm -hmm. it's one of the things that I fight back a lot with clients that I work here that they've gone through traditional programs. Like they're constantly saying to themselves, I am an alcoholic, Mm -hmm. I am an alcoholic or Mm -hmm. whatever the thing is. And I'm just like, oh, we're so, you're so working again. I believe that that's so working against the work of being healed. It's like, get up and walk, pick up your mat. Let's Mm -hmm. go. You're done. Let's, yes, there's a time to have that awareness. So I love that. I want to go back to that, even that first piece of why Mm -hmm. that's so detrimental and to realize that I am not the thing 
I, I am not my body even. Mm-hmm, These are just mm-hmm, things mm-hmm. that are addictive and I've been engaged in and have a relationship with and stuff. So let's go back to that for a second. Can you unpack that more and why you actually believe that, you know, and I know it's part of your core teaching too, is we mm-hmm. have to break that that narrative that I am, that attachment and why that's so essential. Because I know that is integral to a lot of the sure. core programs that are out there. And I think mm-hmm, mm-hmm. probably well intended, but really creating a lot more damage in my opinion. And I'm curious yeah. to know yours. Yeah. I mean, they could do the entire podcast just on that probably. <laughs> no. Um, I mean, it's, it's really the, the thing is we develop psychological identifications to the things that we habituate in our lives, the things outside of us that we habituate towards. So for example, I was a nutritionist. I still am, but I've been a nutritionist for about 12 years and I was in multiple different like dietary communities. So like the vegan, vegetarian, raw food community, um, the paleo community, the keto community, all these different dietary identities that communities of people gather around under kind of this, this theme or this identification towards a particular diet camp. Right. And so that's where I started to really see the psychological aspect of, of diet. But then I started to realize this is actually going on everywhere. So then you have it in the fitness industry, like the CrossFit world and the different, like the triathlon communities and the, you know, all these different things that people will latch on an identity too, or they'll, they'll take on and adopt an identity ultimately because they don't know who they are. Exactly. And this is where the problem is. And this is why I've never really got too stuck in any one particular community. And I've crossed many, many communities because I always had a sense of who I was Mm -hmm. and I was interested in the nutritional side of things or the fitness side of things or whatever the things that I was into, the biohacking community, the, you know, people get really, when they find something that works and they find something that, that really lights them up and there's a community of people around it. Um, most people will tend to acquiesce or cohere to the group dynamic. And, and we call this collectivism right? So people will adhere to the collective paradigm or theme, which is something that we've been seeing in the world on um, the last couple of years, this collectivism idea. And then ultimately it's because people are scared and they don't know who they are. And so they just acquiesce to whatever the, the current paradigm is. And so, so this, this is happening to answer your question. This is, this is, first of all, this is happening in every major type of community. It doesn't really matter what it is. And I saw this happening uh, in the nutrition world. And so I started studying the psychology of all this to understand like what really is going on with people. Why do people follow so easily? And then they don't question anything. And then what ends up happening is that if an opposing idea comes in, then they will they will um, be triggered or feel defensive or they need to protect their position um, when that's not really necessary, that's not the case. It's not black or white or this versus that. It's just, there's multiple perspectives to everything. There's, there's a spectrum of ideas in the human experience and we can't get too attached to one thing. And so tracing back to your, your question, um, actually, if you could just like rephrase that, cause I kind of like, I want to circle back to the addiction thing, yeah. but if you could just, if you not rephrase it, but just pose the question one more time for me. Why do you, well, the original thing was we said 
Oh, we don't put labels on people. Oh, that's right. We don't, right. Wanna, yeah. we don't we, like this idea of like, I'm an addict or I am an alcoholic or mm-hmm. I'm a vegan or I'm a whatever, you know, yeah. I'm a top 1% entrepreneur. You know, we see this in the mm-hmm. entrepreneurial space like crazy, right. right? I identify as how that can actually be so limiting into yeah. our healing and moving forward. Like, okay. why is that even yeah. a dangerous thing, right? Yeah, perfect. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. So uh, all that to make the point, so with with addiction, because what's interesting is that when you go through all these communities, you will find that the energetic of addiction is rooted in this identification phenomenon. Yeah. So why people get so intensely focused on different activities, let's just call it, um, is because of an addiction in of itself. And that, and it's, but it's a deeper addiction. It's a psychological type of addiction that masks itself under the guise of a fitness routine right, or a dietary approach. So like in the fitness world, it might be like, what would the addiction be? It would be like workaholism, addiction to fitness, addiction to working out, the adrenaline rush, like, you know, the next aste- race, the next yeah, aesthetics, time, the like, time. you know, like all that. And then in the food world, well, that's pretty obvious. What would that be? Some sort of food eating disorder. I saw that a lot in the raw vegan world. And, and there's a technical term called anorexia or no, orthorexia, orthorexia, which you guys can go look that up. I talked about it quite a bit over the years. Mm-hmm. And um, anorexia, orthorexia, it's, it, all these food disorders are very common when people are so deep in the food diet world and you get obsessed with what you're eating and what you're not eating, right? And your whole worldview gets kind of wrapped around that. Um, the entrepreneur world, that's pretty easy. Workaholism. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then what comes along with that? There's the coffee, the stimulants, the mm-hmm the Xanax at night, like the, um, you know, sex addiction to like, to release the pressure or whatever the, whatever the things are. Like, I, I just saw it so much like closet eating in the food world, Mm -hmm. binge eating behind the scenes because people are cleansing and detoxing all the time and they're calorie restricting all the time. So no one, when no one's looking, they're like the vegans are going and eating meat and fish. (laughs) It's like I'm really deprived over here and I'm standing yeah. here with a badge of honor because I'm so entrenched in this identity. And meanwhile, I'm going in the closet full of shame, yes. feeling like, you know, there's something wrong with me. I don't have the strength. I don't, you know, there's something wrong. And so I want to kind of transition into that because I think they're tied yeah. in hand. Yeah, I think that's too. great. Yeah, that's yeah, perfect transition. This idea that we get so entrenched in this identity. And I think you know, either you see the people who get so fixed in it and I can relate to everything you're saying. Cause I remember people coming into, mm-hmm. I, I used to own a holistic mm-hmm. wellness facility too. And I remember people coming in with binders, like four inches thick of every calorie they'd counted up. And I was like, okay, oh this, we have like every single micro micronutrient calorie. And I was like, okay, we have issues, you know, parents that were posting their kids weights on the fridge and like mm. so many dysfunctional mm. things but rooted in these attachment to identities, right? Mm-hmm. And so really mm-hmm. being able, I love that question is, do you know who you are at a soul level? Have you done the work to go mm-hmm. into that discovery? But, and I want to kind of tie in the shame and the hiding thing, because this closet eating, this closet, you know, sex addiction, closet mm-hmm. affairs mm-hmm. going on that are, I see, I work with a lot of men too, and that are just in these mm-hmm. kind of like mm-hmm. addictive affair cycles. And I was just working on the book in my book and I was writing about my dad's sex addiction and how 
Like that was so hard to live with as a female and how much work I had to do mm. to overcome just that dysfunctional mm-hmm. relationship. Mm-hmm. But let's talk about shame for a minute because mm-hmm. what are we really hiding from? And, you know, how is this shame really perpetuating the sickness, not only in this person, but in these family units and on the planet? I know that's a big right. question I just asked you, but I want to go into this. What are we really hiding from? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, ultimately, we're, we're hiding from ourselves. We're playing peekaboo with reality. And, yeah, I mean, you could say that we're hiding from God. We're hiding and like you could take it back to the original, the quote unquote original sin. And the that, you know, whether you believe that's true or not, it's just an allegory on the, you know, it's kind of that same, that same kind of principle, like when shame manifested itself and how we all have this, this, this like um, propensity to hide from the divine, from the all seeing light or however you want to phrase that. Like we, yeah, we all have on some level, I mean, that's, well, I should say when those of us who deal with addiction or have, or do deal with addiction, that's ultimately what it is. We're, we're hiding from the mirror. We're hiding from the reflection, the mirror, and we're hiding from just taking accountability and ownership of our, our experience. And it's, it's an interesting, vicious cycle because on one level, somebody knows what's going on. On one level, there's like a higher awareness that we know what we're doing. So we could be living dual lives. Yes. Right. Like we could be very conscious and aware and doing a lot of very healthy things and, and, you know, trying to make progress in our life. And then there can be another version of us, which would be the shadow, which is the opposite of that and drags us down and does things that are counterproductive to the progress that we're, we're trying to make in our life. So it's like, and then that creates this internal conflict and that also creates an identity conflict. So then, then that brings in the identity thing again, because then if we are in conflict with our own identity and we're, we're going back and forth on the seesaw and we're stuck in the throes of addiction, even when we know consciously what's going on, then we, we're not only are we going to, we're going to experience bouts of shame, but we're not going to know how to address it because we're going to continue to chip away at our confidence and our self-esteem and our self-respect. Because if we've told ourselves that we're going to do something or stop doing something and we continue to do it, then that actually creates a, um, it creates a level of distrust and disrespect for ourselves. Mm. then the shame overpowers us. Yeah. Yeah, it's so true. And we're in this like loop of shame mm-hmm. and guilt mm-hmm. and fear, mm-hmm. right? I'm afraid who will be seen. Mm-hmm. And we just kind of like are on this hamster wheel. I see it yeah. just, and then every once in a while, there's the anger outbursts, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Like the mm-hmm. all these emotions build up, build up, build up and have these like all volcanic eruptions, call them the right. binge weekends right. or the things. And mm-hmm. and I see this a lot and you, you, you know, and so I just, I kind of want to go into that. First of all, how do we, there's a lot of talk about, you know, how to heal the shame and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But it's really, mm-hmm. you know, I think the the first step of what I'm hearing is, hey, you guys were not alone 
It's part, mm-hmm. it's part of, it's in the collective humanity. But the thing is like, once we feel it, let's move that. It, I'm curious, what, how, how, how can people begin to move that? I know there's a difference in my world when I was thinking about shame versus conviction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious, like, how do we begin to, first of all, realize like, we don't have to hide. We're not alone. Like, I know that yeah. sounds kind of like here, you know, oh, that's yeah. easy for you to say, cause you're not the one hiding, but at some level we all are, we all do yeah. until we decide yeah. to be totally naked and exposed. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So how does someone begin to move through that journey or like start to move the need a lot of it? And then I want to actually break down some of the more practical things of the the biology mm-hmm. versus the, mm-hmm. the mental and the spiritual, but how do sure. we begin to move out of that dark place? Do we really need a crisis? No, no, we don't. But we, <laughs> but that tends to be what ends up happening because we don't have a dream bigger than our, our concerns and our fears. The way the, the, really the quickest way and the most practical way is that we have to stop doing the things that are causing us to feel shameful of ourselves. So if somebody is dealing with a drug addiction or a substance addiction, a food addiction, sex addiction, whatever it is, you are not going to be able to address the emotion if you don't change the behavior. Because the, the emotion is a, is a feedback response of the behavior itself. Mm-hmm. So it ultimately comes down to behavior change. Action. Yeah, it really you, you is ha- action yeah. first. It's the it's the body first, not the mind or the spirit first. Is what you're no, saying. those are all those are just response mechanisms. Mm-hmm. So your internal your internal state is not is actually a response to your behavior, and so you can't wait to feel better. You have to do something in order to feel better. You got to interrupt the pattern. That's right. You got to do a pattern interrupt. And that means if you don't feel like doing it, you have to do it anyways. Or you have to do something to get yourself into a state where you feel better. You feel more, you feel like you have more energy to do the thing. Um, but this is what a lot of people don't want to hear. And they don't especially hear it. <laughs> in the personal development world where, you know, a lot of people are just, they're saying that you need to, you need to be in the right mindset or the emotional set, but that, that yeah. doesn't really work. Now, now granted, granted, you can, you there's things that you can do to get yourself in a better mental state, but that's my point. You have to do the things that are either going to get you there or stop doing the things that are causing you to be in a, a downward spiral. Yeah. Action, 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 action. We're in these physical bodies on this physical planet. I think a lot of the spiritual community too, whether, you know, I come from like a, a deep Christian, you know, Catholic, whatever, bumped through all that. And then I went into a whole spiritual, mm-hmm. non-religious, big, deep mm-hmm. plant medicine, all that. Mm-hmm. And I, there's the wide range and I love it, but there's, I see a lot of spiritual, a really ungrounded people who are not yes. connected in their bodies. So yes. then when it comes down to it, Every, they're sort of floating around but not anchored. And then we have the people who are so in the flesh yes. that have no connection. So it's like, it sounds amazing. And I totally hear what you're saying. How do we interrupt that pattern? Where does that strength come from? Where does the clarity come mm-hmm. from? Like, how does somebody mm-hmm. begin to access that? Because again, I hear that from a, mm-hmm. you know, the mindset is everything, willpower, for, like you just, it's it, it's a recipe for failure. Yeah, totally. That's a recipe for failure for yep. sure. How do we train people? How do you train people to begin to pattern interrupt when they wake up 
already with their body craving a glass of wine or, you know, waking up at 5 a.m. and having this, you know, the shakes or I'm going extreme here, but yeah, that, I mean, that, like that, that with yeah. caffeine, right? You wake up well, with a migraine or whatever it is. Well, that that's those are those are unique situations. And somebody that has those kind of issues needs to work with somebody that can that can actually guide them through a therapeutic cleansing and detox process. Like I don't advise someone that's doing like drug rehabilitation or has um, a physiological convulsion reaction, especially if someone's been an alcoholic for many years and they can't just get off alcohol right away. They need to actually work with a doctor or qualified um, therapist of some sort to help them slowly detox because their liver, their liver can't process it. It's, it's adapted and become dependent on the alcohol or whatever the substance is. So let's just take that context there too. I'm not saying that you need to cold Turkey and white knuckle this by yourself. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that you need to start, you need to start getting a sober outlook on the situation that you're dealing with right now. You need to get a, you need to kind of map it out a little bit and really, so start with this, start with just writing out what are the challenges that you're dealing with? What are the struggles and challenges that are happening in your life? If it's Mm -hmm. addiction, then really get honest with yourself. What are the things that you're addicted to? And write it out, look at it. That's step one. Mm -hmm. That's step one. So take it out of the closet, put it out in the open. And then step two is, okay, what are some of the things that I've been putting off that I want to start engaging with? Is it, is it developing a fitness, a consistent fitness routine? Is it eating better? Um, is it having a better sleep schedule? Is it focusing more time on your family, your relationships? You know, these kind of things, is it spending more time in nature? Is it learning to play an instrument? Is it, you know, whatever it is, these it's this simple. It's the simple formula. The first thing that you have to do first is you have to take the shadow out of the closet and put it into the light. So you may have a list of like, okay, there's all these things I want to do. And, but there's something in the way. There's a reason why you're not doing it. Yeah. That's, that's the first thing. It's not, it's not mystical. It's not a mystery there, but there is an energetic block to between who you are now and what it is that you want your life to be. And so you have to put, you have to call that out in the beginning and then, yeah, make that list of the things that you really want to engage with that are going to better your life. It doesn't in very simple things like five, six, seven things that are Mm -hmm. simple, easy to access. Because again, an addiction is defined as something that produces a significant amount of dopamine in the brain upon using it and also that is easily accessible. So in order to reroute an addictive pattern, you have to transfer over to something that stimulates dopamine in the brain, but not right away, but in a more of a delayed sense, because that's a whole other thing to talk about is like how dopamine works and how to develop a healthy relationship with dopamine. Um, And also something that's easily accessible, not something that's way over there, something that you can easily access just as quickly as you can the thing that you're trying to move away from, right? So in other words, 
in order to heal an addictive tendency, um, just talking about the external mechanism, the coping mechanism itself, you have to replace it with something. You can't just try to cold turkey something without a, without a light. You can't just stop doing something without starting to do something else. So essentially what I'm saying is like the key to the key to transformation, the key to healing, the key to overcoming addiction is not mindset. It's not willpower. It's not okay. spiritual strength. Although the, all those things are, that's a, yeah, I'm a yes to all that. Don't yeah. get me wrong, but, but I'm, I'm just getting really practical here. It's actually changing and redirecting your energy. Yeah. So if all your energy is going towards something, that means that you have a lot of energy for something. So it's just redirecting the energy into something else. And it's going to be uncomfortable in the beginning because you're not getting as much of a dopamine dump as you would from the easily accessible activities that are giving you a short-term pleasure but a long-term pain. Mm, and so, yeah, that's, yeah. Oh, sorry. Did you, continue well, I was that. just gonna, yeah, I was just gonna finish that thought on the whole thing that's happening with addiction is that you're chasing pleasure to avoid pain. Yeah. And so what you have to understand is that it's just a simple switch from, from immediate gratification to delayed gratification. Like the brain of a child is always about immediate gratification. It wants its toy right now. It wants its candy right now. And if I don't get it, I'm going to throw a temper tantrum. That's kind of how the addicted brain develops its pattern. It starts throwing these chemical triggered uh, temper tantrums and we get all agitated and, and our body gets all worked up and triggered. So, and, and I do want to mention this at some point in the, the talk is about self-regulation practices. Yeah. I want to go into that in a second. So I yeah. And so, go there. Yeah, but. yeah. And the, so the adult brain is about delayed gratification. So if you learn to delay gratification in the moment, you might, you might feel temporary pain or discomfort, but you'll actually develop the discipline and the willpower um, that will pay off in the future. Yeah, that's awesome. That's exactly what I was going to ask you about. You kind of start obviously start to go there because that was, and you, I, I love what you're saying because to the people listening, it's like we think it has to be this huge overhaul. Like it's so right. massive. It's like we've created this mountain. It's the size of Everest. You know, and it just mm -hmm. it feels insurmountable. It's like how much strength do I need to climb that thing or to tunnel my way through yes. it? And what I'm hearing you say, and you know, is like we're really talking about retraining. We're just retraining our mm -hmm. physical mm -hmm. body mm -hmm. in these micro micro decisions, micro yes. shifts. And I want to really double down and say that because it's not the macro, it's, it's the micro moment by moment, second by mm -hmm. second, mm -hmm. like, okay, you know, if I'm picking something up, is this actually what I want to pick up right now? Is mm -hmm. this the thing that like, it, like it's, it's being microscopic, but also what's good about this is it only is a split second decision. The minute you shift, yeah. it automatically creates Mm -hmm. a natural mm -hmm. ripple effect, right? So it's like mm -hmm. just that one moment, that one second, you know, I, I think like as we move into like, what are the ways that we can begin to, you know, regulate? You know, I think one of the things that I talked about is having just a, 
I don't know whether it's a mantra. I like asking questions. I think there's really the power of asking ourselves questions in that moment that are really powerful that get us to put the thing down or whatever, mm-hmm. right? So I want to mm-hmm. ask you if you have some questions around that, but also I want to go back to what you were saying about, um, oh gosh, you said so many good things. I was like, oh, I want to, I want to get in there, but filling your life up. Right. Mm-hmm. You said uh, it's not about going cold turkey or taking this out, taking this out. And I saw this a lot in the health world. People come on signing up for these 30 day things. I'm going to eliminate everything from my life. And I think that's what makes it so fucking hard. Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. you're trying to remove instead of mm-hmm. saying, how do I add in? You know, you said, what are the things that I've been putting off that I want to engage in? What is one thing that I can add in to kind of crowd out, mm-hmm. to, begin mm-hmm. to crowd mm-hmm. out the other things? So I wanted to kind of just circle back to those things that you were saying we're talking about microscopic add-ins mm-hmm. that add flavor back in that actually gives us health and healing and another thing that you talked a lot about was there was connection a lot of those things is like reconnecting to the things that you loved and not doing it alone and right like just connection is such a huge piece of that too i think mm-hmm. right like, do not try to do this alone like yes. humans um so let's talk about some of those self-regulation practice or i also wanted to ask you like I want you to break down the biology for a minute or the physiology Mm -hmm. of how these addictive tendencies work so that we realize I am not the thing. It's just this interaction that happens. And also from the physical, the mental and and the, you know, emotional, spiritual, there's kind of like, you know, Mm -hmm. there's three different layers there. And if Mm -hmm. we can separate ourselves from it and understand what's happening at each one of these levels, we can begin to maybe pull ourselves back a little bit. So starting Mm -hmm. with the, you know, the physiological, obviously we talked a lot about that, but I want to dive into that a little bit more. What happens in our biology? Like you've talked a little bit about the bumps, but like just to give some clarity. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, And there's, there's a lot of parts of this that we could talk about, but I think I'll leave it kind of at the level of the brain for now. So there's, there's a number of different things happening and it really does all come down to dopamine so your ability to understand what dopamine is and what it does is going to be a game changer. So dopamine, there, there's a lot of things around dopamine, but simply put, dopamine is it's not really the pleasure molecule as people people think of it as. It, it is triggered in the pleasure reward centers of the brain because in the brain, pleasure is it's kind of like a uh, it's like a milestone or a progress marker that signals some sort of reward as a way to motivate you to move forward towards something. So what dopamine actually is, is it's a motivational force. So dopamine controls the motivational neuro networks of the brain, and it determines what you're motivated by and what you're not motivated by. So for example, if you've trained your brain to be motivated by short-term gratifying validating behaviors which is which is what the which is what basically neurologically is is what happens in the case of an addiction then your dopamine system is going to be wired for short-term experiences and that's why it's going to be very difficult for you to think long-term if your brain's been wired for short-term gratification so if you feel lazy or tired or exhausted when you think about long-term goals and you can't think past the moment, what that means is that your, your dopamine system needs to be rerouted. 
It doesn't mean that you're lazy or anything like that. It just means that your brain is actually exhausted and your dopamine system may be fatigued and it may be, it just simply is not trained in a way to allow you to think long-term. So that's why we have to develop um, a certain type of patience about us and we have to start um, delaying gratification in the moment, which is the only way to really overcome an addiction or a, a quote unquote negative habit anyways. So dopamine essentially is stimulated in the brain in the anticipation of a future event. I love that. And when you when you talked about that just for a second is these are also the people that are struggling with vision or a dream mm-hmm. in their life. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's right. You know, right. We we ask people as transformational leaders, like, what do you want? What do you desire? And how many people can't answer that question? So for the people right now who are struggling with a clear vision or mm-hmm. just getting mm-hmm. clarity or that, what is my dream? And they think there's something wrong with them. It could actually be this simple. That's right. Yeah, you, you need to do a dopamine reset process. I mean, the, the, the process itself is the most powerful thing I've ever really taken people through, aside from like different types of cleansing and detoxing processes. But this is very different in a way because it actually re, it recodifies the brain signals that determine not only what you're motivated by, um, how much motivation you have, your vision, your focus, your willpower, but also it, it, it influences the lenses in which you interpret reality. Ooh, so that's a and, big one. <laughs> yeah, so this, this is huge. And this is what people don't really understand quite yet. So dopamine has a lot to do with your, your ego identity which is a huge thing with addiction. And we talked about identity before. Dopamine is one of the controllers of, of your, your egoic drives and your, your personal identification. Mm. Um, and that's a, that's a huge thing because the dopamine resets actually an ego reset. And you don't really know that until you're going through it. And then you realize how attached your quote unquote ego which is just really a software construct, your personality construct, how attached it is to these external substances or the drugification of social media and and your your digital devices. You realize how wrapped up your identity is in these things when you go through this process. And, but it, but it is really the pathway towards freedom and salvation for you as a human being. And then you start to go through an ego reset. Yeah. Um, so it changes, it changes your brainwave state. It changes your neurochemical kind of uh, cocktail, your serotonin dopamine balance. And here's another interesting thing too, with dopamine, dopamine controls your time perception. So your perception of time is largely influenced by dopamine. So for example, mm, I did it, not know this. I did never hear yeah. this before. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so most people don't. Most most is not really talked about very much. Mm-hmm. So, um, when you have low dopamine, low dopamine production, or the dopamine receptors have been blunted from too much dopamine activity, um, you tend to be more in a in the past reference. So, like depression, mm-hmm. for example, is like being too much in the past. Yes. Now, people in the psychiatry or or psychology world will try to use a lot of different modalities to get people out of the past reference, yeah. um, which is which is great. 
but the problem is unless you deal with the dopamine system itself, you're not going to be able to effectively do that long-term because that is, that is largely the issue. Chemically speaking, is that when you have low dopamine, you're going to have more of a depressive state and you're mm. going to be, you're going to be more in the past. If your dopamine is higher, you're going to be more future orientated. Because again, dopamine has a lot to do with motivation towards the future. So it makes sense that if your dopamine is low, you're going to be, you're going to have lack of motivation. So you're going to be backpedaling psychologically. If you have higher dopamine, you're going to be more forward moving. But if somebody's dopamine is too high and it's not regulated enough, they're too much in the future and they can't. And so there's more anxiety. There's more angst. They can't sit still. And that's true if you're drinking a lot of coffee or doing drugs or whatever too much. Um, you're too stimulated. Yeah. You're going to drive up the cortisol and you won't be able to sit still and be in the present moment. And it's like, you know, people like this, they're always thinking about the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. I, I work with a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. Well, the next thing, next thing, next thing is a dopamine rabbit hole. Yeah. I love how you broke that down. I mean, I'm just, I, I also am thinking of this dynamic where you have even couples or, you know, one person that's like mm -hmm. in the slump or, you know, yeah. I, I mean, this is the dynamic I'm seeing a lot. It's like depression, a lot of stored emotions, a lot of things numbed out, right? Just kind mm -hmm. of there. And then you've got the other person who's like, Shh crazy or whatever right, right? And, right. You're, and they're like oh we can't get along and we have all these issues in our relationship mm -hmm, and they're blaming mm -hmm. the other person and feeling mm -hmm. like failures and it's like i mean i, I wanted to bring this up because i do a lot of work in this area of relationships too and i think like this is also something we've got to look at mm -hmm. inside of our relationships and with our children these kids i mean Oh my gosh, I feel like all the kids need dopamine resets. Like yes. that should just be part yes. of the protocol for like mm -hmm. new world like totally. new world education, but the new systems yes. that we're implementing now like people it's time that we begin to. Yeah, mm -hmm. cuz I'm so, you know, I love that you broke that down and said too high, too much stimulation in the future, mm -hmm. anxiety, mm -hmm. this panicking and inability to sleep, inability to whatever. So this person needs to reduce stimulation and yes. retrain that. And the other person that has gotten, it's the same kind of thing though, right? But it's kind of like insulin that's not lo no longer working in a way. Now they've yes. trained that yeah, dopamine yeah. to not kick in. So now mm -hmm. they've actually essentially kind of burned it out. In a they way. burned, that, yeah, the, right. yeah. The dopamine receptors in the brain get blunted, they get burnt out. And so what ends up happening is that those people are not able to feel right as much. And so they either need some sort of stimulation in order to feel something yeah. and they're not able to feel pleasure and sensation from normal experiences in life, which explains kind of like the addiction cycle of needing substances or caffeine or whatever it may be in order to feel what they're not able to feel um, because their, their system is burnt out. So they, they have to go through both, both parties have to essentially go through the same process, but yeah. it's, it yeah. might look slightly different, but essentially the reset process with a nutritional protocol, the right type of dietary approach that's going to work for them. Self-regulation practices like breath work, meditation, cold water therapy, infrared saunas, kind of cold and hot therapies are really helpful. Regulating their sleep cycles is going to be key and critical. 
taking taking significant time away from digital devices, social media, getting into nature um, every single day, like you know, really revamping their entire lifestyle is what's going to need to happen in building that piece by piece into their life because you know we we've we've normalized to these kind of like chronic fatigue and uh illness and disease and immobility conditions of all kinds like it's become normalized in our culture um which is why we have the pharmaceutical industry to you know to basically medicate everybody even further and so people feel like it's normal. They don't realize that when their dopamine system is that low, it's actually a severe issue. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, like what we're dealing with right now, even just with children and then pornography and all these different things, like this is a, this is a serious issue that we're dealing with. And, um, yeah, and it's gonna. And, and the the good news is that it can actually be remedied really quickly, like in a thirty day period with the right support, the right guidance, and a full commitment from the person to go through the process. And but that's the problem is most people don't want to go through a thirty day process that could actually be relatively seamless. But it's it's just like people are in such resistance to going through it because they don't want to feel uncomfortable. Yeah. I want to go into that in a sec here because, oh, making the unknown your friend, but I want to start, I do want to circle, but I love that you gave those self-regulating practices. And obviously these things are not hard people. Like this stuff is on YouTube. You can, you can YouTube these self-regulating practices. And it's really, it is about putting them into where they just become part of your life and creating a whole different lifestyle, which is really what the human design is for, Mm -hmm. right? If we think Mm -hmm. back to the design of us in the garden or whatever, I really believe that's what we are. Gardeners are just here to kind of Mm -hmm. be and play. Mm -hmm. But um, I just wanted to double tap on that because I know a lot of my listeners who are struggling in their relationship and sex drive or, you know, imbalances Mm -hmm. of that. And Mm -hmm. I really just wanted to go back and take a moment to breathe into that, that there's sometimes we make these things so massive and they're canyons between us, but like, what if, Mm. what if it's something as like to ignite the passion or the desire, the flame of desire to actually want to be intimate Mm. again, or want Mm. to have some sort of, you've got one person with a crazy sex drive or one person without, Mm -hmm. or, you know, one Mm -hmm. person unable Mm -hmm. to tap in and feel like what I heard you say was like, wow, can you just imagine just by we're we, we like we're fixing the cocktail inside of our mm-hmm. bodies so that mm-hmm. things start our bodies are designed yeah to have desire and pat like all of mm-hmm. the stuff like we mm-hmm. have so many sensors right and the, mm-hmm. the design of the human body is such a beautiful thing so i think like for those people listening going back and re-listening to what you just said there is like i can turn my body back on mm-hmm. in a right way because we have this dysfunctional idea of what being turned on means right this really distorted dysfunctional relationship with turn on mm. and turn off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot of, a lot of people will repress themselves because of past trauma. Mm-hmm. And so they'll, they'll close themselves off or they'll unconsciously put on extra weight um, to not appear attractive or in this, like a lot of unconscious trauma response behavior. And so that's another, another aspect of the shame that shows up and how it manifests itself and um, how we protect ourselves because ultimately we don't feel safe. And yeah, so that, that's, 
Yeah. And so that's where a lot of this, this is rooted into emotionally is not feeling safe to be fully in our body. So we have to find something to check out of our body or to put on extra layers around our body. Um, and that's the whole thing with addiction is that you're stripping those layers off of you, those protective mechanisms, the armor, um, the coping mechanisms, you have to strip that stuff off of you to really become naked to yourself, you know, and, and that's really where the power is. So um, much breathing required, so much breathing required. Yeah. 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 Totally. Which is why you have to learn how to regulate yourself with breath. Like breath work is essential. I hope you guys hear it. it sounds so easy, right? I just remember all those years in the gym mm -hmm. and the first thing we do is teach people to breathe. And they're like, I know how to breathe. I'm like, honey, you do not know how to breathe. <laughs> your breathing is shallow. Your traps mm -hmm. are locked up. You're rigid. You're tense. You're not able to take a full breath and just mm -hmm. pause, right? Mm -hmm. And so as we go through these contractions, I was listening to your podcast with Yvonne, which was awesome. By the way, I'm going to put that link in the show notes, the, the emergencies before the emergence. But we go through these mm -hmm. contractions with any rebirth or change. You guys were talking about that, right? And as we're feeling these <laughs> emergencies or contractions or discomfort, it's like, that's the training. We got to mm -hmm. train ourselves in mm -hmm. those moments. And I think being in a community and also doing the work on our internally ourselves, but also in community with other people who are in these practices is so essential because mm -hmm. there is a massive difference between going alone and going together into the yes. into the great unknown. So let's and and really, what you just said there is why do we do it? We want to feel safe. We're either escaping mm -hmm. a sense mm -hmm. of I'm uncomfortable right now. I want this illusion of being numbed out and just get away from this discomfort. But really, the mastery is from become becoming a master of of living in the like the unknown is what mm -hmm. I'm hearing, right? Mm -hmm. And I love mm -hmm. to play in that space, but like it is training to get yourself to a place where this is the new normal mm -hmm. instead mm -hmm. of, so how do we begin to normalize living more in that space of being safe in the unknown territory and the unknown? Cause really, isn't that all that life is? It's everything's unknown. We can't yeah. really, it's all an illusion. We can't control any of it, but how do we begin to, and I know we were talking about it and it kind of comes back to a lot of similar things, but is that really what we're talking about here? Figure out who you are, get comfortable, mm -hmm in the unknown. Yeah. I mean, yeah, for sure. Um, and it's a continual process. Yeah. There's really no, like, there's no roadmap for it. It's just, it's just life. It's just getting acquainted with how life really is. And so that's another thing that people have to deal with is their own issues of control. So if somebody feels very controlling or they, they have to have everything worked out and planned out, it's like, you know, that's, that's not going to work like that. That's going to end up falling apart or it's, or you're going to fall apart because you're gripping too hard. And so there has to be an easing off of trying to grip onto life and squeeze everything or just have control of everything. This is something that a lot of women have to deal with too, because they've, they've, they've leaned far too much into their masculine kind of tendencies <laughs> And that that's not going to work if you want to be in a relationship with like an, an integrated man, you know, for example, or, you know, at some point you, you know, you go through, you go through the career years and then you get into your forties and you realize, wait a minute, I actually want to be a mother and I want to be a wife. And this isn't what I thought it was. And this isn't as actually as important to me as I thought it was. And then 
that's kind of a rude awakening, right? So, and then men, you know, we have our own issues that we have to work through in that case too. Like, um, so ultimately, and, and that's another thing with addiction too, is that a lot of it is rooted in some form of needing to control our experience or to change our state because we don't like the way that thing things are in this moment. We don't like the way things are in our life. We don't like the way that we feel in our body, about ourselves, other people, external environment. So we have to change all of that in order to feel differently. So, you know, it's kind of a, it's, it's an interesting quandary. It is. It is, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I, I think like for me, the greatest teachers for sure have been being in nature. I'm curious what you, I mean, I know we layer all these things and you stack all these things, but for sure when, and I, Double down, triple down on what you said about being too far in our masculine, really our wounded feminine that says, I have to protect myself. Mm -hmm. I have to provide for Mm -hmm. myself. Mm -hmm. I can't trust Mm -hmm. you. All of those things. Mm -hmm. So we become rigid and hard and closed off and really exhausted. And I, that was definitely my journey. And a huge piece of that for me was definitely coming back to nature. You talked about earlier, you guys were talking about really simple things like breath work and being in nature. And it's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Give me something else. You know, like Mm -hmm. a pill seems easier, but when we look at how nature works and walking barefoot on the grass, or I love to do trail hikes, you know, just be barefoot and be in there and just changing the pace and looking at how nature works. It's been so, I mean, you talk about regulating your nervous system and, and self-regulating practices. It's such beautiful training and it's actually not complicated. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A, a huge piece of this is also just, as we're talking about self-regulating practices, it's unplugging ourselves basically from this, synthetic Mm -hmm. slave based Mm -hmm. system that where everything is either artificial or moving at a pace that's not natural. I mean, talk about that for one second, like unplugging from this really unnatural sort of pace that I think is really working against our bodies and how like essential it is to get back to that organic. I mean, I think I don't know. What are your thoughts? I, I think I know your thoughts on that, but I'd love to yeah. like really get this into people to, to understand the effect and the mm-hmm. impact of that. Yeah. I mean, so much of the addiction compulsions are around the need to slow down. And so we're moving so fast in our life and the days are going by so fast. And um, this is also part of the control mechanism is that we have to learn how to slow down and stop doing so much so fast because the nervous system is not equipped for the pace of life that most of us are trying to live at every single day. (laughs) And if you try to outcompete with your nervous system, you're going to break down and you're going to need to reach for the Xanax or the sleeping pills or the pharmaceutical painkillers, the anti-inflammatories or or more, maybe more natural approach. You do the same equivalents in the natural supplement world. And you try to, you try to medicate that way, or you're going to be, you're going to be reaching for psychedelics every weekend to try to like escape your reality versus integrate it, you know, whatever, like they, like they all, this is all kind of the issue that people are dealing with and why we reach outside of ourselves for different, different coping strategies or escapism strategies or numbing mechanisms. So when you understand that, then you can start to understand that ultimately nothing outside of you is going to 
fill in the void that you feel inside of yourself, that internal disconnect that I talked about earlier. So ultimately then the antidote is that I need connection. So the best way to connect with yourself is to disconnect from the external world for a short amount of time and go connect to nature. And I've been doing this for a long, long time. Um, I've been recommending this for well over 12, 13 years. Um, one of the most powerful things that you can do is connect right back to nature with the sun, with the air, with the earth, with the water, getting barefoot connection to the earth, just called grounding or earthing. And it's incredibly scientifically backed in terms of like it's anti-inflammatory effects. And what, I'm, what I mean by grounding is like getting barefoot and bare skin connection mm. to the earth, mm. whether that's dirt, that's sand, that's grass, that's, um, you know, getting into a body of water, like a river or an ocean. It has, pro, it has, yeah, it has profound effects on your, your nervous system regulation, your brain cognition, your focus, your mood, all of that. Um, and so getting, getting an hour of nature time every day is ideal. Breathing in fresh air, um, getting grain direct sunlight on your skin every single day increases your serotonin production. So yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of it in a nutshell. Like we, we need to be doing this. This is how we're designed. And so if we're constantly in our, in, we're our artificial, our, our, trying to biohack, yeah, trying to biohack everything and supplement everything and all these doodads and, and get gadgets, like those are all good, but they're all just, they're all just like middlemen towards getting back to nature. Ultimately nature is what, what is how we thrive. And when you start connecting more with nature, you'll start disconnecting from the external addictions themselves because you won't need it. You won't want it. You'll find the source of where the disconnect started and um, you'll fill yourself back up. So, so true. I'm so glad you brought that up. And I, yes, yes, yes to all that. I mean, I can't, now I almost feel, I feel sick if I don't get outside and I don't get my feet on the earth and mm -hmm. stuff like that. And and I love what you said earlier is, am I trying to compete with my nervous system or out compete? Mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. like, you can't, okay. Don't even right. try to right. like fight nature. Don't even try to fight creation. Like creation is so perfect in itself mm. that if we can become students of it, mm. like honestly, get out there and be a student and be mm -hmm. curious. Mm -hmm. It's a game changer. And I love that you also, thank you for bringing up the, the, the health community. Cause I, you know, there's people who are cabinets of hundreds of herbs or whatever totally. and they've got all these tinctures and herbs or then you've got the psychedelic you know we take people on retreats sometimes but there's an addiction to that too and yep. it's just like yep. is this just another mm -hmm. escape or am i integrating the work and the integration is the hardest thing for people right it's like okay i had the epiphany we had the awareness mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. now we know what this is once I raise my hand and I have the awareness, I think like the integration mm -hmm. is really the work of yeah. the practice of training the body, of training the nervous system. And, you know, I think there's a lot of people, um, I think that are just really, I love, I think you said it in your last podcast, I think you were talking with Yvonne, where you're like, it's like a delusion, like we're delusional, right? Like, mm -hmm. it's like, I'm a mm -hmm. high functioning, whatever, I am a high functioning, yeah, yeah, yeah. A high functioning yeah, yeah. workaholic. And, and, and so the pain is not great enough that yeah 
Mm-hmm. So, right, this kind of goes back to like, do we need a crisis or is there a better way, right? And mm-hmm. the, the cool thing is like, there is, if there's a desire, mm-hmm. I guess, right? And mm-hmm. I kind of want to circle mm-hmm. back to that as we begin to wrap is like, do I need another divorce? Do I need another mm-hmm. business burning down to the ground? Do mm-hmm. I need to have total disconnection from my children where nobody knows how to talk to each other in the mm-hmm. house? Or how can we just, it's like, really, it's a decision, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's always a decision. It's always a simple choice. It, every single thing is a choice. Nobody's a victim. We all have a choice. You may feel that that you are chemically influenced, and that's true enough, but that's also because of the continual dis- decisions and choices that we've made every single day that have created the neuropathways and the chemical associations in our brain that have have kind of educated our brain on how to get short-term reward and pleasure. So we have to retrain the brain and the nervous system to respond differently like a like a computer, like an operating system. You have to retrain it. You have to upload new information. It's going to take a little bit of time. You have to reset and reboot the system before you can upload the new information. So you have to go through a reset process a cleanse and detox process. And then you have to go through skill acquisition. So you have to learn new things and you have to engage your brain, engage your body, engage yourself actively every day to neuroplastically change those neuropathways in your brain. So they, they, they desire different stimulus. So nobody's a victim in terms of like what they're quote unquote addicted to. That's all trained behavior. Nobody is like an genetically an alcoholic or a, a you know cigarette smoker or a pornography viewer or whatever. Whatever, like it's all trained behavior or sugar addict or whatever. It's all trained behavior again. I mean, yeah, that's yeah. so cool because also I think we talk a lot about generational patterns, generational wounds, curses, whatever. Yeah. And I think like, yes, and right there that I'm like, who taught you to deal with your emotions this way? Right. It's like dads or mom or whatever. And it just keeps getting passed on. Yeah. So when we get these ideas, like, yeah, is it, is it generate, is it, you know, like, oh, this runs in my family, alcoholism runs in my family or whatever obesity runs in my family. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Okay, what do you say to that? Is that true? <laughs> no, it means that nobody runs in your family. <laughs> no, I mean, like, no, there, there is an epigenetic factor to this as well. So, like, scientifically, yeah, there, the epigenetics of the transference of genetic potential does get passed on, particularly when it comes to trauma um, different psychological kind of um, dispositions. There are fi- the physical genetics that we receive, but the actual addictive tendencies themselves are trained behavior based on what we've been, what's been modeled to us, and what we've what we've adopted. Because we can we can have the genetics of our grandparents who were in the depression. They were alcoholics. They had all this scare, uh, fear and scarcity, and and you know all these things. And two different, two different children can grow up completely differently. Mm-hmm. They, can, they can take that on and model and mirror that behavior. And then another one completely goes the opposite direction and never has any of those issues. They go completely opposite of that. 
So, you know, what the mystery of all that is, I don't know, but it, it does come down to choice. Ultimately, it's all choice. We're sovereign beings. We have free will. This is a consent-based reality that we're in. So it's ultimately what I'm consenting to with my sovereign free will that determines the outcome of my life. It determines whether I am, quote unquote, an addict or I'm a free, sovereign, liberated being. I get to choose that though. And this is the thing that everybody needs to understand is that you have to decide. The word decide means to create an incision, decide. You have to cut off all options that do not correspond to the thing that you're deciding on. So if you're deciding that you are a free, sovereign being, a healthy, vibrant being, then you don't get to do anything that doesn't correspond to that. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. that's, that's, that's it. And, and it's, and again, it's, it takes time. It's a, it's a progressive thing. Now it's not all overnight, but you have to have the courage to decide what it is that you want, how you want your life to feel and who you want to be. And you have to continue to make that choice over and over. Yeah. It's not a one and done. Right. And I, no. this is, and I love that, that, decide equals incision. You're literally making a cut. And that's why just I like when we make a decision and we make it from our soul and our body and our bones, it's like, you could feel the energetic power behind of like, mm-hmm. it is done. You know, it is like the subconscious getting to work on really mm-hmm. figuring that out. So mm-hmm. I think the, mm-hmm. like circling back to earlier, it's, it, it's not macro of the big, big, big decisions. It's also how do I begin to just micro decisions, yes. think, right? Like yes. how do we strengthen that muscle of just, mm-hmm. We can strengthen that, the decision-making muscle to begin to retrain ourselves because people probably listen like, I don't, they're the people who are like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what I want. I don't know. Mm -hmm. And there's all this like indecision. So moving into a state of decisiveness Mm -hmm. by also training. Yeah. Indecision is the the worst place to be in. It's like living in limbo land. It is totally. It is Mm -hmm. totally. Well, I, I'm definitely looking forward to be doing your reset. I, I, you know, I want to have you talk about that. You've already kind of been talking about it the whole time, but what do you, I'm curious from a macro level, looking at where we're headed in the future collectively, what do mm-hmm. you know has got to change in the way that we're looking at treating and helping people to break free from this? I mean, you've talked about it, but what do you really see like has got to shift in the way mm-hmm. that we're, we're handling this, having these discussions about it so that we can move forward into really multiplying this, this ability to heal and, and move forward as free individuals. Cause there's so much slave systems mm-hmm. out there that mm-hmm. are just keeping people in these chains of addiction. Mm-hmm. What's really required right now? I mean, it's a, a lot of things are required for sure. There's a lot of levels and layers of it. I mean, ultimately I feel at this point, if we don't get a handle on our dopamine impulses, we're not going anywhere. And so neurochemically and even metaphysically, psychologically, we're being held in place through this mechanism in the brain. And that's why I've landed on this particular, this topic and this theme, because nothing's going to change if we don't learn to override these dopamine impulses that are, that are keeping us stuck in place. And it doesn't matter what you achieve in the world. Doesn't matter how much money you make. Doesn't matter how even healthy you become, um, 
You, you, it doesn't matter what how happens. How many rabbit holes you go down no, and how much no, bitching you do on social no, media. Exactly. Yeah. No, none of it matters because you're just going to be changing one impulse out for another, um, one input output. So understanding how dopamine works and really taking to heart, like doing doing a dopamine reset, at least just to start and then making this part of a lifestyle um, is to me the pathway towards true freedom in these physical bodies and these nervous systems. And there's a lot of things that come along with what a really amazing dopamine reset looks like because we, we've been dopaminergically like handicapped and neurolinked into these systems our entire life whether it's the technological system, it's the financial system, it's the food system, it's religion, it's, it's so, you know, drugs, alcohol, whatever, all of these things are working on that system in the brain. And so that's, that's really our pathway towards freedom when you learn to reroute that. And so dopamine can actually work for you because dopamine is the most powerful motivational force in the human kind of biology and it it literally can set you free, but you have to set it free, which is kind of a paradox. You got to train it instead you, of it you, training That's right. You. you have to train it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a really deep rabbit hole. And I, I would say like, I'd really love for people to just explore that a lot deeper. Yeah. Um, because when they understand the nuances of it, it it's like a huge light, like just light bulb moment yeah. for people. Yeah. Awareness is so empowering if you decide to act on it. But I think a lot of people like, again, going back into this identity or the shame, it's like, they don't know. If you yeah. don't know, you feel helpless. If you don't know, yeah. you feel like, well, victim, people, right? people are, people are pretending not to know. Yeah. That's a whole, that's a whole other thing other too. Show, like, right? do you really not know? Because how many times have you said, you not know how many times could you have looked it up? How many, you know what exactly. I mean? Everything like, so available. I think a lot of times we pretend that we don't know because that's easier than admitting that actually I do know something. And mm -hmm. that means I have some sort of responsibility to do something. Mm -hmm. That's a big one to whom much is given, much is required, right? right. So that right. is the thing about awareness is once your eyes are open, once you see, you can't unsee. And that is the, isn't mm -hmm. that the turmoil mm -hmm. that most of us are living in is the inner wrestling of the knowing and not living in alignment with the knowing. Mm. So how does one, what talk like, Dopamine reset. I want to do it. What? How does somebody do that? I know you have your own protocol, mm -hmm, and I'm mm -hmm. more than happy like share that. But like, how does somebody start? We've already talked about like unplugging from the matrix and getting into yeah. nature and all of that stuff. But kind of give us the the quick, you know, how does somebody go into that? What are you offering right now? And mm -hmm. unpack that a little bit. Yeah. Well, I'll keep it really simple. So a dopamine reset is essentially abstaining from the patterns and behaviors. For most people, the substances that are that they are addicted to, or that they that they're getting these kind of dopamine uh, stimulations from. So, for so you know, for most people, that looks like either tobacco, nicotine, cannabis, alcohol, sugar, um, processed foods, pornography, social media, video games, gambling devices, or whatever, like dating websites. Yeah. Like all this kind of stuff. Now, now it's modifiable. Mm -hmm. However, a real dopamine reset, it, there's a 30 day minimum is what research shows. 
there's a 30 day minimum to really reroute the dopamine receptor patterns. So any of these habits, like say, for example, like you're, you're, it's like for you, it's tobacco or it's like alcohol or it's sugar. It's like, okay, that's my thing. Then that's the thing that we need to omit and we need to do it for 30 days minimum. Yeah. Because the, the brain needs time not only to reset the dopamine system, but the, the psychological attachments that we have to these things too. And it's a bit of a process to go through. I've developed a probably the most comprehensive approach to this because it's still a relatively new yeah. concept over the last few years. Mm-hmm. The most basic idea of a dopamine reset is that you're literally just fasting on dopamine impulses altogether. Now you can't go monk's no. Li- it's like a monk lifestyle. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's a little bit of a stoic type yeah. of lifestyle compared to if you're living on a hyper stimulated lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now it's all modifiable, and that's why in my program I, mo- I I created a PDF that is actually a lifestyle modified approach mm. that makes it easy and simple for anybody to do. And there's also a supplemental protocol for each one of these things. And that's really important too, is that you have your health and your supplement approach dialed in enough so your brain can start to reboot itself without going through too much of a withdrawal process. Yeah. Get basically what you're saying is get the support in place. If you're going to go through something like this, make sure that your body, you know, you not only have the emotional support from the people around you, but your body is actually supported through supplementation and stuff. So I know that you're going to give a a PDF download for the listeners Mm -hmm. here. So we're going to link that in the show notes. And there's also going to be a discount on the Ultimate Dopamine mm-hmm. Reset uh, video course, which I am excited to actually do because it's, you know, you catch yourself like waking up going like, I need, I want that coffee right away. Mm-hmm. Or you're just starting mm-hmm. to, you know, I catch myself walking into the kitchen and make another coffee. I'm like, I don't even want coffee. You know, right. like, what am I doing? You, right. you find yourself sort of like your body's going there or picking up the phone mm-hmm. and you just checked your mm-hmm. email three minutes ago. And you're like, why did my hand just pick up that phone again? Mm -hmm. Right. And I think like, for me, I don't like that feeling of just not being aware and intentional about what I'm doing. And Mm these things are just happening or, you know, wanting that wine at the certain time of the day, whatever the thing is. Right. And it's just like, whenever I start to feel like I am now, this thing has kind of got a scripts on me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like that. Because I once you know too what it's like to be free, mm-hmm. you guys listening, once you know what it's like to be free, you do not like slavery anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? So yeah. I just want to thank you so much for being here. The, sh- the name of this show is called The Untamed Life. So I would like to know what your take on as we wrap up is really what does it mean to be untamed in your eyes? Um, to be undomesticated. So breaking out of the chains of domestication, um, which is also part and parcel to living an addiction-free lifestyle, because it is our addictions that domesticate us in this civilization, this artificial synthetic habitat that's been created for us to mimic a natural habitat. And that's part of why we have to get back into nature so we can undomesticate ourselves and get back to what's real, what's natural, and what's actually normal. Um, and get back to our body's normal biorhythms 
and our, our normal natural state of being. We can't do that in a synthetic environment. And we certainly can't do that when we're moving through the throes of addiction. Um, because addiction creates a false identity and creates a false pseudo personality that is just based on patterns and behaviors and, and kind of like hedonistic pleasure reward driven impulses. And that's not what we are. That's not, that's not like our, our highest form by any means. Right. No, it's Um, a veil. Yeah. Yeah. It's a veil. It's a, it's a veil, right. To deceive us from what we really are. And so actually the path to true, Salvation is through overcoming and healing these addictions, which is what was revealed to me in the process of writing the book and why I'm so passionate about the subject and, and talking about the dopamine reset. It's not just because it's a, it's a great idea, because I honestly do believe this is the path towards freedom. I mean, it's, there's multiple paths and there's multiple things that need to be done along the way. I found this is the most direct approach for what we're dealing with right now, with where we are so in the technological world and the substance abuse and the food abuse and the sex addiction, and all the things. I found this is the most direct path um, and the quickest path if one takes it seriously to find salvation, quote unquote salvation, I just mean yeah. freedom. Yeah. Um, for themselves. Freedom in your body, freedom in your mind. Because if your right. body is not free, nothing else in you is going to be that, free. That's that, exactly. Sure. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. I, yeah. I love that. And you know, you guys, I read the book. I read the book so much. I had it in the bathtub. The pages were falling out. Because, I mean, I really have a heart for this work. You know, I work with a lot of people that have alcoholism in their family. I come from, I'm a daughter of an alcoholic. And it's funny, all those years of blaming my dad for drinking and mm-hmm. sex addiction and all of this stuff. And I just replaced it with my own addictions. Mm-hmm. Let's let's stop pointing the finger at everyone else. I became a, a, addicted to athletics, which is not a bad thing, but until yeah. it, it becomes your identity, mm-hmm. I became addicted mm-hmm. to work as an entrepreneur. I became addicted to being in relationship. You just become addicted. So we are all in these loops. And yeah. so the freedom that we can get by doing this work is really game changing. It is a freedom of uh, in your body and a peace of mind and a liberation of spirit that mm-hmm. really like we are not, I'm, I'm right there with you. I appreciate this conversation because I could just imagine maybe I'm too idealistic, but you know, I imagine a world where we're all broken free and we're like massively co-creating what epic mm-hmm. new world we get to create from that place. So um, you guys make sure I'll put the link to the book as well in the show notes. Thank you so much for being here and being mm-hmm. in this conversation. I get Thank to be you. one of Roddy's students starting tomorrow. <laughs> I'm so excited. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. Final mm-hmm. thought, final thought for my listeners. They're going off and they're embarking and they're sitting there and they're like, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm scared. Mm-hmm. You know, what is the clear next step for them and what do they need to know on this journey ahead? Um, okay. Well, we've, we've said quite a bit, so I I don't know if they need to know anything else other than what's been said. Like, I know that you, you know, that you can do this, like many have done it before you. Um, so, you know, don't, don't worry about the fears and the things that come up for you. Just take one step moving forward in the direction that you want to move in. And one of the next steps that you could take is, going into the dopamine reset protocol. And, um, as Christine mentioned, I have a 30 day ultimate dopamine reset program and we do group programs periodically quarterly. 
And so if you're listening to this, the one that Christine's about to do will have passed or will be in the process of it. But what's really cool about this program is that it's a video course. So there's 30 videos that go deep into a lot of different topics around addiction, um, so much to do with dopamine, trauma, you know, nutrition, health, lifestyle, self-regulation practices. It's really a transformational program that takes you really deep into the subject dopamine. It also has a 30-day PDF protocol, which you will be receiving as a free gift. So if you really like that and you want to go deeper, this program will be great for you. And then for everybody that joins the program, they will continue to have the opportunity to do every upcoming group experience that we do in the future. So that's kind of a really interesting bonus that I decided to create with this is that not only do you get the entire video course, but you're also going to be able to do every upcoming opportunity for all the group experiences as a complimentary bonus to signing up for the program. So that that's really cool. And you also get a $100 discount on the program for being a listener of Christine's podcast. And um, we'll give you all that information, I'm sure, in the show notes. Yeah. Wow, you guys, that is that's awesome. I love that. I love that bonus because it's it's being in it and it's staying in it. So mm-hmm. thank you so mm-hmm. much. Um, to me, it's a no brainer. I'm excited to do it. And I just, man, I feel like I could talk to you for hours and hours and I, yeah. you know, but thank you again, those of you listening, make sure that you grab the links in the show notes. And remember you are not here to be numbed out, stressed out, domesticated <laughs> and tamed. We, you are created for so much more. And mm-hmm. it starts by you breaking free of the chains of addiction, of slavery mm-hmm. and stepping in into everything that God has created us to be. Mm. So thank you again for being here. Until next time, here's to loving fiercely and leading courageously. Mm. Bye for now. Thanks again for joining me in today's episode. It is my intention to bring you valuable, heart-shifting content every time that will upgrade your life. If you're a new listener, make sure you follow the podcast so you can stay up to date as future episodes roll out. And I invite you to head on over and join my free community, Warriors of the Heart on Facebook. In there, you'll find bonus trainings, a game-changing assessment tool, and exclusive member-only offers. Until next time, Warriors, here's to loving fiercely and leading courageously in the untamed life, the only life worth living.